Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network the Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Well, hello again, Slurds. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is a creator corner. The corner that I created on... Hold on. Let's try that again. The creator that I cornered on this here podcast is uh, Gabe Cheng. Gabe Cheng's an up-and-comer in the industry. Jesus Christ, my tongue right now is tied by this here white Russian, it seems. Um, Yeah, so Gabe Cheng. Gabe Chang's doing a book called For Molly. It is currently on Kickstarter right now, so check out the show notes right up towards the top. You're going to see the links to to Gabe Chang's Kickstarter. Uh, I know I'm all up in it. And, uh, yeah, man, this is just a great interview. I, I, I love talking to people that I really don't know much about at all. Uh, Gabe gave me the book, or at least the first two issues that are currently out, and I read it. And I thought, okay, you know, I, obviously I probably need to read all four issues for me to fully appreciate what this is. Maybe if I talk to this guy, I'll understand it just a bit better and I'll be damned if that was not the case. So, you be the judge yourself when you tune into this here episode coming up in just a few seconds. But first, got to talk to you about my sponsors. My sponsor being, of course, one of my sponsors, of course, being Hooked on Comics. Hooked on Comics, man. They are the some of the best in auction action, if not the best. Fuck, I don't know. I don't take notes and compare. They could be. Some may say. Uh, <laughs> so Hooked on Comics, man. If you're in quarantine right now and you're still itching to get some books, there are still shops out there that have acclimated to uh, what the industry can really produce right now. So, yeah, uh, fucking auction action that's what's happening so nsclivetv.com is where you find them on tuesdays at 6 p.m eastern time and saturdays 7 p.m eastern time nsclivetv.com the hooked on comics facebook group or of course the cheers to comics facebook group which i'm going to go ahead and welcome you to join regardless uh but you know i'm going to be posting all of the hooked on comics goodies going down in there Great auction action for sure, man. So, once again, Tuesdays and Saturdays at 6 and 7 Eastern Time. Hooked on Comics. 
And as always, NSCLiveTV.com, your home for the best in auction action. Now, without further ado, I bring to you... I've been saying that a lot lately. I don't know if I'm going to stick with that. Gabe Chang of For Molly. Enjoy. All right, Gabe Chang, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm I'm happy to have you on. I'm I'm doing excellent. Anytime I'm talking comics, I'm good, man. The world could be burning all around me, and I'm still as long <laughs> as I'm talking about comics, I'm gonna have a shit eating grin on my face. So <laughs> I'm cool, man. I'm cool. Especially learning that comics are gonna actually come back or so they say sometime here in May. So um, I put in a FOC order, and that felt really good. I felt legit, like oh shit, this is happening, man. This is happening. I got my pre-orders in. Uh, yeah, it's but, a weird like things hopefully like slowly spooling up again, like things kind of getting back to normal. Like, I mean, I mean, it's going to be a new normal. It's going to take some time. But but the idea that that DC books are coming out in, in like two weeks or something and then Marvel's coming out in another couple of weeks. And I'm a, I'm a big image guy. So I'm hoping that like a lot of those image titles start coming back really soon. I don't know if there's been an official announcement yet, but like. But like, oh, Image yeah. is on the uh, FOC list for sure. Okay, cool. Yep. Then, oh no, then they're coming go. back. They're all coming back. Image, Dark Horse. It's so they say that um, Diamond's gonna pick up like they never left. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've said throughout several podcasts that I beg to differ. We'll see how that works. <laughs> but I mean, my FOC list. Uh, I mean, if if it's any indication of the level that they're gonna be coming out, um, was actually a uh, one book compared to the usual. 12 or 15 books that I'm <laughs> right. um, coming out. So uh, obviously you can, you got to ease back into it. You can't just dump everything right off the bat. I mean, Jim Lee said it himself. You just got to kind of ease it in. Yeah. Um, we've, we've been off for a while. You know, you, yeah. I've we, seen a couple of interviews with, with Steve Jeppy, I think his name is the guy mm-hmm. that runs diamond. He's been, yeah. you know, I, I appreciate his optimism like a lot. And I appreciate that, you know, he's talking about the competition, like, it's going to grow the industry, which I think is also really great. Um, and I think that, like, and he's talking about how he's going to support the LCSs, like uh, all these retailers that are, you know, going to have trouble getting back on their feet after everything that's happened. Like I, I, I really like the way he's talking about it. And I'm really excited about how things are hopefully going to be, like I said, spooling up, getting into a, a groove of, of our new normal, because it's going to be different. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be different. And I really, I don't think that Steve Chevy never really wanted to become a monopoly with Diamond. You know, it just so happened that he created something so big it was impossible to compete with. If anything, I think he might be relieved that there's some sort of competition in some sense out there. I mean, it's going to be a while before any of this uh, competition is really competitive yeah. with Diamond, with what they've already established. Uh, I, I, I can go into history of midtown attempting to do this with marvel back in the day and that failing miserably right so i mean granted it's decades later but well i mean i, I don't know i can go into all that but we'll 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 see i i, I do think that like i said jeppy I, I, I he's okay with competition right now it takes some of the stress off of him yeah. some of the pressure off of him and deep down he knows it's it's Barnes and Noble competing against Amazon at this point. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's yeah. tough. It's stiff competition. Yes, they're they're out there and there's there, there's a chance, but it's they're they're miles apart. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm excited. Just to, I don't care how I get the books. I really don't. Just give them to me. You know, yeah. I'm I'm gonna support whoever's gonna give me my books first. That's really and what think, it comes down to. And and more books, which I think uh, is what I'm hoping for, is that like more creators, more publishers, more 
people are just going to get the opportunity to not only get their books distributed, but also get books to them. Like people that wouldn't necessarily be reading uh, indie comics are going to hopefully get more indie comics, have more access to them, have um, have easier access to them. That's that's going to be really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I really do think this whole thing was uh, it, it was shitty how it happened, and we were suffering through the through through it all, and we still are for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. But and, and just be, and it hasn't even happened yet. We're saying you know it's all going to be fixed. It technically hasn't even happened yet. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can't get too excited yet, but uh, I mean, I, I'd like to have something to be excited about. <laughs> yeah, something to be hopeful about. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Everything's going to change, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it all. As long as I have a way to get comics in my hand for me to continue to talk about comics and get other people interested in comics, then, yeah, I could still fulfill my purpose on this planet. And I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to back whoever's going to help me do that. So whether it's Diamond, whether it's Midtown... I mean, if my local comic book store says, well, you know, I'm not going to back so-and-so, uh, we're, we're backing out, then I'm going to go elsewhere because I'm, I'm loyal to local comic book stores, but I'm, I'm loyal to lo- my local comic book store that's going to cater to my needs. Yeah. So, and that, I, uh, I think they're definitely going to do that. I think, well, I, I don't know because I don't know a lot of retailers personally. You probably um, have a little bit more experience with this than I do, but I think um, that I, I, I feel like, I'm hopeful. Again, I'm hopeful because nobody knows what's going to happen, but I'm hopeful that demand is going to be high. People are going to want to make it work or just are they, they want to figure out what this is going to be so that we, they can expand the industry as much as possible. Yeah, and I, I, do, I do see an uptick in comic sales once this all goes down. and uh, I, I'm actually going to say comes up because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, I want to look at it that way. It's all going to be good. So aside from the industry uh, and the, the direct market, I got to ask how this, this little slump has affected you as a creator because I know that the con scene is shut down. Yeah. And uh, I know that you've got a Kickstarter that you're marketing for right now. I do. And uh, you kind of need the, the, those cons a lot of times to, to, to get your name out there. Is that something that you rely on? Or is this just, uh, well, shit, it's a good thing that I didn't have my eggs in this basket type of scenario for you? Um, you know, I was really disappointed that the cons got postponed. I completely understood, obviously. But yeah, I, I did put a lot of eggs in that basket. I did have to do a pretty hard pivot once those those cons were, were postponed. And I'm really hoping that, you know, they are just postponed, that they are going to come back and they're going to be how they were. I mean, obviously, we're not at the level where we can all be crowded really closely together in a large, you know, contained space yet. But I'm really hoping that they're going to come back um, eventually. Uh, so you, I, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, have you thought about getting on? I don't know if you've seen these things popping up. They're like little cyber conventions, kind of like mini cons uh, via the, the the web. And I've actually partaken in one, and I've seen a few other ones. That, I mean, that have even got names like Kevin Smith to get involved in everything. Yeah. Um, is this something that you've checked into? Because I know that they're still gonna they're still kind of sprouting up. Uh, I know that I'm scheduled for one in October. So, I mean, it's, it's, is this something that you might actually kind of, uh, I guess I have to use the word adapt to now that this year is pretty much shut down. I can't even say that we could rely on Baltimore or New York at this 
point in time. At least I wouldn't yeah. even want to go, even if it was open. I, I doubt people are going to want to go. But no, I mean, absolutely. This is improvise, adapt, and overcome. It, it is, you know, uh, I got to do what I got to do if I want to keep doing what I'm doing, really. So yeah, I'm, I have looked into a couple of those. I, I didn't quite get my, get my shit together as far as getting into one in time for the, the ones that have gone over the last couple of weeks. But uh, I'm hopeful that I can try to jump into a few more. Um, to get my name out there because, um, you know, I really had to do um, uh, a little bit of research, a lot of soul searching as far as like, okay, am I going to move forward with this Kickstarter? Like, am I going to be doing this in, um, during the pandemic? And, and yeah, it's been difficult. Yeah, it's taken a lot of adjusting and a lot of pivoting and a lot of uh, doing things that I didn't anticipate needing to do. But at the end of the day, like, I, I want to do this. I, I want to tell this story. I want to get this book out there. I, I want to, um, you know, I want to, to make this product and I'm, and the, the, what we have made so far, my artist Ben and I, what we have made so far, I'm really proud of. I don't want to sit on this for another eight months. I, I want, I, I want to do what I want to do. Like kind of, like I saying, this is my passion. This is what I love. Uh, this is, this is something that has been, um, the, you know, the, the, we're at the beginning of my journey, but like there's, it's taken a lot of work to get me here so far. And I, I, I intend to, to keep moving. Yeah. And that's, that's the attitude of a creator that's going to make it too, because I mean, it, not just in the, the world of comic books, but I'm seeing it on so many levels. So many people have the opportunity to just roll over right now and have an excuse to not succeed. And I'm seeing it all over the place, and it's killing me. I mean, podcasters. Yeah. So, I mean, just, I mean, they stopped making comic books, and I have a podcast that's really just driven around new comic books. I mean, <laughs> I, I adapt it. I mean, there's yeah. always a way to adapt. I mean, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I, I am hypercritical of anybody that just rolls over, and I don't. It's nice to see somebody that is using this to their advantage to really just kind of sharpen your teeth in the industry, well, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And I definitely am not taking for granted the fact that I am able to work from home, that my company is still going, um, you know, that I'm, I'm still able to pay the rent and, and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of people in, um, in really tough situations out there and, and I'm not one of them at the moment. Um, but at the same time, like I didn't say like, wow, this is a really, you know, this is really tough. This is going to take some getting used to as far as being at home all the time and all that stuff. And like, oh, I guess I'll just, I'll just put this off until later. It's like, no, there's no putting this off. This is what I love. This is what, um, this is what I want to do with my life. And so like, um, there, I didn't use anything as an excuse to stop. And, and even, um, you know, even, uh, the, the setbacks that I have faced because of everything that has changed, you know, I, I, I never wanted to use any of that as an excuse to stop. I wanted, I wanted to keep going and I'm, I'm happy to keep going. Well, this is a chance for uh, indie creators to, to get ahead. I mean, it's a giant, massive fucking ocean of creators that are, I mean, it's, there's so many uh, creators that are just bigger, but not nearly as good as other creators that are smaller and so much better. And because of that, it's hard to get discovered. But a lot of those big, dumb 
fish in that pond that really don't have talent, they're just big, are going to eventually, they're going to roll over in these situations because they're going to think, well, I have the girth to get me through this. I have the belly fat stored and I'm cool. And then, But that's going to open up for people, the fish that are fucking swimming to the top, man, and trying to, and that that's, uh, and it's a ridiculous cliche of a metaphor, but at the same time, this, this is real right now. This is the time, you know, I mean, the, yeah. the fat fish are falling. So, uh, and I'm seeing some great projects pop up on on Kickstarter. I'm seeing some artists do some incredible art and you know they unfortunately they have to go on sale because they're not getting those sales at the conventions and stuff. Um I'm seeing people doing like just a lot of great work right now and it's it's really cool. It's really inspiring. It's ins like it's inspiring me to to continue working and um and uh, and not have any excuses like we've been talking about because it's just uh if this is what you want to do then then you you got to do it and and you're and i i am drawn to do it so um and it, it is and, and yeah just I'm repeating myself, but yeah, it's no, cool to see how much cool stuff is out there right now. Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm I'm a part of more Kickstarters now in the last, I don't know, five or six weeks than I have been since I've realized Kickstarter was a thing and I can back <laughs> amazing indie creators. And we're yeah, going to get too, more and I've, into... I've, I've bought a bunch of stuff on artists, Etsy pages and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Just like, it, it's it's cool to see what people are doing. Oh, for sure. It, it's, there's some really awesome stuff. So, I mean, let, let's... Uh, before we get... We really start talking about for Molly. I, I got to know a little bit more about you, game and your history with comics itself. Um, this is something I ask every single creator. Where did comics begin in your life for you, man? Man, I have a I have a weird kind of I guess it's not that weird, but I really started to get into superheroes and comics and things like that from the Batman Returns Super Nintendo game. That's new. Uh, that, okay, yeah. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> that was really my first exposure to Batman. Then I watched the movies, and then around that time, Batman the Animated Series came out, and then and that kind of solidified Batman as, as my favorite superhero to this day. Um, I read a few of the comics when I was a kid, but for whatever reason, I think it was just like... Um, just a, a commitment thing. Even when I was that young, I couldn't quite commit to to going to stores and or even having them sent to my house and and just and things like that. Um. So, I I always kind of claimed to be a Batman fan, and and I was super excited when when all the movies were coming out and things like that. But I didn't really start reading comics until college. Okay. Um. And that was when um, I had a friend introduce me to uh. Jeff Loeb and the and uh, I had read I think year one at a certain point before college but then when I read the long Halloween I was like oh wow mm -hmm. like this this is incredible this is something this is this is uh, top-notch writing incredible art and then um, so I was like oh, okay wow this is great and then that got pushed even further by Hush and I was like oh my god like this is like and Hush remains one of my my favorite my favorite books period, you know, end of statement. Um, and, and definitely probably my favorite comic book. Uh, and then after that it was Watchmen and then it was just, it was done. Like that was, that was my, my introduction to comics. And I, 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 I um, have gone through phases where like, I, I love reading as much of the superhero stuff as I can. And then I'll, I'll go back to, to finding more indie stuff and then, you know, back to superheroes and things like that. But, but I'm, I'm a bit of a late bloomer when it comes to comics. I, I came to it kind of late, but when I, when I came to it, I really went, um, really went headfirst into it. And, and, 
Uh, I do have a lot of catching up to do. Like I have a comic book club out here in LA and, and we meet once a month that uh, we read a trade paperback and we talk about it. Um, and some of the, the, the guys and the girls in there have like some pretty extensive, you know, decades and decades of knowledge about things that I like and that, that does make me a little bit jealous. <laughs> so I, I'm trying to catch up on a lot of stuff because I am, like I said, a late bloomer. I like but. how you say that because I, I was actually, uh, it surprises a lot of people when I say this, I was an extremely late bloomer. I've been a, I've been drawn to superheroes my entire life. Now, this isn't a podcast about me. I'm going to give you the 30 second rundown. But <laughs> I like I like hearing other late bloomers uh, because so many of them like, oh yeah, I was like six and reading comics. Um, I was 27 before I bought my first real comic with my own money. Um, I My superhero experience and knowledge came from uh, the, the, the trading cards. That's how I knew yeah. about superheroes oh, and okay. fell in love yeah. with them. Um, and then, uh, I would hear my friends talk about their comics and I would just research and, you know, fuck, get on the internet and say, well, who the fuck is Starfire? And then I just read <laughs> Starfire's wiki yeah. and that's how I'd learn about them. And, you know, I, so I would know, I would never read the stories, but I knew what stories they were a part of. Um, and then, so at 27, I bought my first comic and I was like, oh, this just changed my entire fucking life. Yeah. And yeah, uh, uh, so many years later, I'm not going to say how old I am, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> um, not that that much long ago, actually. Uh, I guess it's been five years now. But yeah, no, it's um, it changes your life, even as a late bloomer. It doesn't have to affect you as a kid. It, it really doesn't. So it's it's nice to know that someone else has had their life changed late in the game, like like I have by the medium. And yeah, uh, you, I mean, you there's had, some some big books to, to really influence you too. Um, like, uh, like I said, the hush and the watchman and, uh, long Halloween. Uh, when I've told people what I jumped into that got me into comics, they're like, what? It was, for me, it was civil war two, man. Civil war two was oh, going okay. in and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like an iron man versus captain Marvel. Iron man's my guy. Fuck captain Marvel. This is awesome. <laughs> And I mean, I, I, I have every single tie-in to the entire run, and then every single book, if any series that was tied into it, I completed the entire run. So if Miss Marvel had two issues involved, I had the entire 36... Uh, uh, so that's what started my collection. I had to read all of it. Yeah. So within a matter of a year, I consumed a thousand books. And wow. now I was like, oh, I could, I could use this to start a park. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to know that, yeah, it, it hit someone else like that. Sorry, it's, I don't get to tell no. my story, but it's, it's a fun, it's fun to actually have that relation. To no, that's great. I, I, I feel a hundred percent the same way, and I, I do get a little bit ashamed because, like, similar, um, uh, like I didn't start really reading the the floppies. You know, I was reading trades in college, and I, I collected the trades as I was, you know, making my way through the Batman. Um, lore and the legacy and things like that but I didn't really start reading the floppies and the monthlies until the new 52 came out and mm -hmm. you know everybody hated the new 52 except the two books that really resonated with me which were um, uh, Snyder and Capullo's run on Batman and then um, oh man uh, oh uh, Jeff Lemire's run and Andrea Sor Sorrentino on Green Arrow um, which well anything those two do is gonna uh, that's that's gold I mean, Gold. I'm a huge Jeff Lemire fan. I I, I love Jeff Lemire. I I just consumed um, everything. Uh, you talking about Civil War II? Everything uh, to do with Black Hammer. I'm just like, mm. give it to me now. Like I, I I want to live in this world that he's created. That it gets so cool. Um. So oh, this this Skull Digger right now. Uh, it was a Skull Digger and. Uh... 
Oh man, shoot! Whatever, it's it's in the Black Hammer realm. It's this little mini series that just spun out. It's blowing my fucking mind, man. It's uh, it, it's. Is it, that in the trades yet? I'm sorry, I I. No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. I'll it's, pick it up then. Uh, I, I think there's still I think there's still one or two issues left. Um, I think there's only three issues in Skull Skull Digger and oh shit, dude, it's Batman and Robin. But if um, Batman was way more violent and didn't give a shit about killing, and okay. even somehow more brutal to Robin. Well, I'm in, uh, I'm in for it. I'm in. You know, I pushed all my chips to the table with with Black Hammer. Like I love Jeff Lemire. Um, yep. I, and uh, and so yeah, that was that was my introduction to the and and when Snyder and Capullo were doing Batman, similar to what you were saying, I was just buying every single tie-in, every single crossover event, and uh, and all the Justice League and all the all the Batman and Robin and Detective Comics stuff, and eventually that all kind of petered out, and and it just kind of focused mainly on their run, which I still really really love. Um, but yeah, that's that was my that was my experience as far as buying the the. The, the monthlies that's 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 awesome man so you you do actually have experience reading comics you're not just some guy that said well i have this uh this screenplay and i don't know what to do with it so let's try this you actually did have a, a passion for the industry before you decided to turn to that medium and that you know that, that let's talk about what for molly was before it was a comic if you don't mind yeah for sure it was um you know i i used to be a high school teacher um, and I kind of did screenwriting as a hobby. I didn't, I sent them into contests. I never tried to pitch them or anything like that. It was just something that I did to try to scratch a writing itch that I had. And so I wrote this, uh, this script, um, as, uh, as a really cathartic thing. I was going through a difficult time in my life, but then when I was done with it, I, I didn't want to be done with it. Essentially. I, I didn't want it to, to sit on the proverbial shelf. Um, just collecting hypothetical, you know, dust on my hard drive. Like I, I didn't want that journey to be over with this particular story with these particular characters. So um, I was, and this was coming at a big change in a change in my life when I was transitioning away from working as a high school teacher and and doing what I'm doing now, which is working in entertainment. And um, and so as I was pondering all these changes that I was making and pondering, you know, how um, how I was going to, you know, can begin, continue, whatever my journey as a writer. Um, it kind of struck me that I, I could take this and turn it into a graphic novel, turn it into a comic book and, and kind of, uh, and combine two things that I really love, you know, writing and, and comic books. And, you know, little did I know what I was getting into. I thought it would be a fairly easy task. Yeah. You yeah. Know, what when kind I first of guidance? The idea. Yeah, well, what what kind of guidance did you have going into that? I mean, did you just put it out on Facebook and say, I'm making a comic book and hope that someone, the right person liked the post? Or, I mean, how did you know where to go to, to get this done? How did you know how to find your artist and how to how to get it off the ground and get it in print? Because you didn't, you, you didn't do the publisher thing. You went through, you crowdfunded it. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us about the uh, the process of creating this book from somebody that's never created a book before. I mean, I was walking with my brother in San Francisco. Um, we were hanging out one time over Thanksgiving break, and the the idea just kind of struck me. Like, what if I what if I turn this into a graphic novel? And I credit him for um, you know for always being encouraging of, of everything that we've done. We we do a podcast together and and things like that. But I credit him for being you know one of the 
the first supporter because he immediately said like, yeah, you should do that. Like it wasn't like, oh, I don't know. Or like, oh, that sounds hard. It was like, yeah, go for it. And and that really emboldened me to do it. I I spoke with um, one or two people that um, that my brother actually connected me with um, somebody who works in who is a who is an animation director who works in entertainment. Uh, she gave me a lot of guidance about you know, what it would take and the kind of the effort that it would take. I did a lot of research about Kickstarters and, um, and editors and artists and how to hire an artist and what kind of contract it would need. And, um, you know, I made a lot of missteps because initially I, I put uh, Formali out as a web comic and um, it's still available. The first chapter is still available online. Um, but um but I didn't read web comics, so yeah, I. Is it formatted like you would put it out in print, or did you format it like you you would? Uh, yeah, a, I format web comic because they're they're, they're too, yeah. so they're so different. It's, I know that I made a mistake of oh I'm gonna make a comic I'm gonna put it out in a web comic and I thought I'm gonna be super smart and just have it ready and formatted so I could just transfer it over to print, but it doesn't read that way. Yeah, it, it doesn't read was, right that way. That was absolutely my mistake. Yep. And, um, and, and it was, and it came out of, I didn't really read web comics. I didn't, uh, I, but I just assumed that that's how it worked. And, and because I was like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just do it this way. But anyway, I was wrong <laughs> and I, I've since fixed that mistake. And, and so, um, that was when I transitioned to, well, Stepping back, you know, I, I hired my artist, Benjamin Sawyer, via Upwork. Um, he lives in St. Louis. I live in Los Angeles. We've only been, uh, we've only met in person uh, one time, and it was at the San Diego Comic-Con last year, and everything else has just been through uh, through emails and, and text messages and things like that. But we have a great working relationship. I feel really lucky to have him. And, um, and uh yeah, I was just I was just learning as I go, just through trial and error, and the same thing with the Kickstarter is just through trial and error, and um, and then transitioning from web to print. It was just and doing going and doing my first conventions, and it was all just like, it was all just um, you know the, it, it was hard. It was really hard, and it's, it's supposed it, to be. Yeah, and it's supposed to be, and and but through every setback, through every time that you know I had a Kickstarter that didn't. That didn't um, that didn't reach the goal through every every difficult thing that happened. It, it didn't feel like it felt bad. Like for sure, after that first Kickstarter, it felt bad. But it didn't feel like failure because failure would be giving up. Exactly, be, man. Yeah, would be not trying to keep moving forward with something that I really, really believed in. So um, I've learned a lot. Uh, I've met a lot of really great people. I'm really, really proud of the work that Ben and I are doing together. Uh, I'm really excited about the work that we're going to do to finish out chapter three, which is what I'm doing the Kickstarter for right now. And, um, you know, every, everything I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm not taking for granted how, how, you know, how, how much, how important it is for me to learn those lessons. Yeah, no, that's that's great. It's it's. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that because it gives me confidence in you as a new creator. That uh, I I know what Thank I have you. to look forward to. That's for sure. These are the these are the reasons why I have these these conversations because, sure, I could judge you based off of what you gave me in PDF to review, but then I could, but I can't judge your work ethic on that. I don't know how long it took you to do that and what you went through. Granted, there's a great foreword in there that kind of explains all of that. But if you were to <laughs> Thank you. remove all of that. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> I don't know that. So, yeah. um, and I, li- I like to hear it from the creator themselves. So, no, this gives me even further confidence in, in what's to come in your career, man. It, it does. Thanks. So, I appreciate it. Um, now, let's. Uh, uh, we talked about the process of creating this book. Now, what inspired you to create it? Where does the story of For Molly come from, man? So many things. Um, I mean, there's. Uh, it takes place in, uh, well, the elevator pitch, it's about an antisocial talking dog named Molly who helps. Uh, she's living alone in the New Jersey forest. She helps a recently divorced outsider named Greg rescue his sister from a hidden evil. And um, I grew up in New Jersey and I was really impacted by the amount of green, the amount of forest that uh, you're always surrounded by in New Jersey where um, it just seems like there are parts of the state where, um, you know, it is just forest that there's been some suburbs kind of dropped in. It doesn't feel like the land has been really conquered. Um, but at the same time, there's all these really cool abandoned train cars and, and houses and, um, and even just like brick walls and bridges and, and foundations and things out there. So I always was, was captured uh, in my imagination as far as that's a really cool place to set a story. So it was actually it the these... setting that came first for you. Yeah. That, that, that's cool. It's cool that the setting was actually the first part of that. I, I think that's the first time I've heard a creator tell me that. That's that's neat. I like that. Yeah. It's interesting. It's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I've, I always thought about it. I told this story on my podcast recently where um, we used to go between our house where I grew up and my grandfather's house in Pennsylvania. And um, as you looked over the the expressway or the turnpike or whatever, there was there's always like abandoned stuff on the, on the edges of the forest and the expressway. And one of them was uh, a couple of box cars that were all graffitied up and they were open. They were really dirty and rusty and things like that. But like, you know, the questions of like, how did they get there? What kind of people would be interacting with them? You know, if those were, if they're secluded, uh, you know, what, what kind of society, what kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, social structure could, could crop up around this type of this, this um, world that's hidden right under our noses. And that's something that I, I was always fascinated with growing up on, in the Northeast. Uh, so uh, why, why choose uh, animals to be your, your, your main, um, uh, specifically dogs to be your main point of, uh, well, your, your main subject matter, your main character, I guess, for that matter. Because well, think- in the beginning, you kind of think as I read this, and I, I don't do any spoilers or anything on these creator corners at all. But, you know, you, you think your main character, there's this this human guy, uh, is is your 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 main person until this dog comes on and starts talking? Like, wait a second, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I I was kind of going through a very difficult time in my life when I was writing this. It was a very cathartic experience, and so this um, this is really about um, me wanting to go on an adventure with. Uh, with my dog that I, um, lost custody of in, um, in my divorce. Um, so, uh, so that's kind of where it came from. It, it grew into something that was much, much bigger as far as like, um, the idea of abandonment and the idea of loyalty and friendship and, and, and the guilt that comes along with those things. And can you be redeemed for it? Or is it just a matter of moving on and moving forward? Um, and and then the character of Molly um, kind of took on a life of her own, um, where she was uh, really the personality of that character is based on um, 
a lot of the former students that I had who were very rough around the edges. I used to work at a high school that catered to a lot of uh, foster youth. Um, okay. and that cater and that was in an area where it was specifically founded in that area because it was trying to serve, uh, um, under, uh, low socioeconomic community, you know, underserved youth. And so I got a lot of students like that, that were, um, that were coming from what is essentially a very, a very difficult home life. And, and they were very rough around the edges. And this one particular student who I still have a, a very good friendship with, a mentor kind of student friendship with, even though she's in her first year of college, um, uh, they're, they're very stubborn. They're very, um, they're very um, assertive. And it's hard to get to know them. It's hard to earn their trust. Um, but when you do, it becomes a very rewarding, um, experience. One of the most rewarding things about teaching is, is getting through to those kids and having that relationship with those kids. And so that is where, um, you know, this, the, the character of Molly, the main dog character in the story is, um, she's very stubborn. Um, she's very, she's very, um, rude in a lot of ways. Um, she's, but she's a survivor. She had to do that in order to, uh, or she felt that she had to do that in order to survive what was a very rough life in the forest. Uh, she had to be a loner. And then suddenly she's thrown into this situation where she is helping this, the other character who also is coming from a very uh, lonely place in his life, who feels like he needs to be isolated. And they don't get along at first because of those things. And then they have to, as they go through this adventure in the forest, learn to trust each other, um, learn to uh, open up to each other, learn to learn to see the good in each other in order to survive. That's awesome, man. Well, it sounds like this, uh, this story definitely comes from a, a lot of pain. That's for sure. And, uh, the, the, but there's also plenty to be gained from it as well. It doesn't sound like you're just going to be sticking us with a knife the whole time. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's lessons to be learned. There's, uh, one is to be enlightened throughout reading this. That's for sure. Uh, it's, I, I it's know not a story about wallowing. And I, 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 I hope that that's coming through. It's, it's definitely a story about like, what do we do in order to move on from, from difficult things? And, and yeah, what, what, once you uh, once you get through to a certain point, you do realize that okay, this isn't just going to make me feel sad the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is yeah, like I said, something uh, to overcome and be gained from from all of this. So I, I I enjoy this. I do now. Um, you have two issues from what you've given me so far. Now you say you have a is now issue three. Is that the one currently on Kickstarter right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that um, is the uh, the second to last issue. So when it's all said and done, um, beginning, middle, and end, it'll be four issues. Nice. Okay. Well, that answers that question: was how far <laughs> would you want to go with this? Because it sounds like it's a contained story. This yeah. doesn't sound like an epic that's going to go on for years and years. A guy and a stray dog. I mean, we've we've heard that story. This is more than just a guy and a stray dog. This is this is these are just the the tools being used to tell what you have to say. So I, I I'm I'm anxious. You're gonna definitely have me backing it for issue three. Um and uh, thank you. I, I would imagine issue four as well as soon as that starts up. Um, you plan on keeping the same creative team throughout all this? I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm very lucky to have Ben. I really um, uh, just from the beginning, his his professionalism, his um communication his um the way that he will um 
will call me out a, a couple of times in chapter one when he really felt strongly that something should be one way. Um, it actually happened in chapter two as well. Um, we, he really felt strongly that something should be one way and then we worked it out. Like that kind of communication ability, that kind of um, work ethic, that kind of um, really openness is, is, is something that I ex very much value in his partnership. See, um, and I, I like that you use the word partnership and not like, like hired gun or, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to know that it is, that's the type of uh, communication that you guys share. It's not, um, a yes man type of situation. He's not, I, I don't know what, you know, what the pay situation, how that works between you two, but I don't, it does. I hate it when someone just takes the check and just does what's done. And there's at that point, you're not a creator. You're yeah. you're a machine. Yeah. And that's that was cool. one of the you first. You could be a machine, but yeah. I, I I don't respect the art quite as much if I don't see a little bit of the artist's story being told throughout there. And I could tell when the that's this this the script. I can't tell every time, obviously. <laughs> but as somebody that's read thousands of books, I mean, I, I can usually tell when it was the artist's choice to do something. So. And uh, yeah, I, c I could see that throughout this every once in a while too. So it's refreshing to see. I'm gonna use the term refreshing a lot because that's that seems that's always how I feel when I have a, a a creator that I don't know anything about coming on, and I realize okay, we got something here. <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> so, cool. Thank you. I mean, yeah. I think that like when when you're talking about like. Ben's voice, Ben's uh, visual voice coming through in in the story. It's definitely the way uh, in the colors, like um, uh, some yes. of the stuff, some of the lighting effects that he does, which is his own specific visual style. I have been so incredibly happy with um, and so excited about. And um, the the page that's on the Kickstarter now that takes place at, at Twilight, where um, it's very um, pinkish kind of purplish and it's it's the abandoned train yard where where molly is like i didn't say like hey can you make this like pinkish and purplish and like things like that it was just like i think the 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 stage direction or whatever the action direction was was like um twilight as 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 the as the sun sets on the new jersey forest and like taking that and turning that into those amazing colors and those amazing glows that he put onto the page it's like yeah. Uh, that's what I I am am finding really like I said just invaluable about working with Ben. Yeah, and uh, I mean for somebody that does the pencils and the, the the colors as well, it's it's nice to know that he knows how to drive the book. I mean to me, uh, colors can really make or break a book with me. I could love all the line work, I can love the story, but if the color isn't there and it's just. I don't know, too bland yeah. or too plain or whatever it may be. It doesn't, you know, it's too colorful when it shouldn't be colorful or whatever this thing may be. It, it turns me off. That's usually the first thing I look at when I open up a new comic is, okay, what are the colors like? And as soon as I open this up, I know that this, this shit's dark, it's deep, and uh, but at the same time, he also it picks up as well. It's not just like, oh, I know, only know how to use sad blues and greens. <laughs> you know, and just yeah. like you said, with the pinks and the oranges, uh, it, it realized, okay, this is, this is almost like a sign of revelation. This is a, a turning point right here. Something, something cool is going to, to, to come about from this, this big visual color ch or, uh, visual change. Yeah. So he, he did. He definitely he has an eye for it. That's for sure. Um, I know this is this is a podcast for you, but what, has he done anything else that I would know about, or is he just a guy trying to make it like you, man? He has uh, another 
Kickstarter going right now for the second volume of a, a comic that he uh, that he works on with his other creative partner, a guy named a writer named Jim Owsley. Um, it's for Red Five Comics. It's called Butcher Queen. Um, it was four issues, I think, last year that they did a Kickstarter for. So they're doing the Kickstarter for the next four issues. It's it's really really cool. It's a sci-fi, uh, cyberpunk kind of uh, adventure story, and um, they have both been uh, really great about. Um, you know, supporting and, and shouting out for Molly. And I've been doing my best also to spread the word about Butcher Queen through through my social media channels and things like that. Um, so we've actually um, have a have a, a thing that kind of where it's a, a dual um, team up of rewards thing where the people that that contribute to both Butcher Queen and for Molly get a print sent to them from Ben. Um, and then they're also getting a, a sticker that I designed that says support indie comics that I will send them. So anybody that, that backs both will get two additional rewards. That's so, awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I think I just added one more thing to the list on top <laughs> of the things that I'm jumping on as soon as I get off the, the, the mic with you, man. This is, uh, but I don't mind. That's the thing is for somebody that subscribed to 30 some books a week, I have a, I mean, that, that costs a lot of money and I'm not spending that money right now. So why not give it to the people that, you know, wouldn't get it otherwise? So yeah, that's I'm, how I I'm feel about gas that. right now. I'm not commuting, right. so I got to spend that money somewhere. <laughs> yeah, man. See, that's, that's, uh, that, that, this is my argument for a lot of creators right now that are on the fence. Um, I mean, I was even talking with Monty Michael Moore. It's like, should I launch this thing right now? Like, yes, you should launch this thing right now. People need comics yeah. and they... Well, people have, do they have money? Well, they, the people that have the money set aside for comics they would normally get don't have that stuff they would normally get, but they still have that money. Fucking yeah. do it. And yeah, yeah he's, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think all Kickstarters starters right now, if you're on the fence and I'm talking to any potential creator out there right now that's listening, launch it. That's the answer. Yes, now is the time. Do it now before Diamond starts shipping again because people are seething. <laughs> For something new, and yes, they realize they're not gonna get it by the time they get it. But they they know that they supported it. They spent that money. They did their part to support the industry. So yes, no, I don't think there's no reason or any reason at all to not um, just launch this Kickstarter. So it's and for me personally too, it's like I want to support people that I believe in, and that's why I've been you know buying so many so much stuff from i mean i've been buying a lot of cool stuff like for sure it's it's caught my attention it's this kind of style or or story that i want to read but like if i see somebody that i believe in yeah maybe because of the situation i i'm not giving as much as i i might have if um like i said i'm still in a good situation um but if i'm not if i'm the type of person that's maybe not in the best situation maybe i'm not giving as much as i would if i if i was still you know x y or z or whatever but like People people want to back what what they believe in. So and and that starts with and you, and they can't do that if you don't launch. So yep. yeah, well yeah, absolutely. I mean it's the like the cliche, the cliche. You know you can't win if you don't play. It's the same. You can't. Yeah. You, know, you, you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah yeah. Let's see how many more cliches we can come up with. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, we know that you've got a, a four arc end game with uh, four Molly, and you say that comics are what you enjoy. This is what you want to do. So I have to ask, man. I mean, I and I know I I don't like to rush people beyond something that they're currently working on. But do you have plans for your legacy in this industry? I mean, are you someone that's striving to work the big two, or do you have a whole notebook of 
uh, ideas that you want to put out there that used to be screenplay? I mean, to, uh, what, where do you want your name to be when people mention your name in comics? How do you want it to correlate? Um, you know, I, I have learned a lot from being in this indie creator space. And um, as much as I, um, you know, as much as I would love to write for the big two, as much as I would definitely not turn down the opportunity to write for Batman, you know, my favorite, um, my favorite character, like I said, and I've always kind of had a little fantasy of what I would do with that story. Um, oh, tell everybody right now the Batman. Please don't. No, no, I uh, just, this isn't too much of a secret, but like, I mean, it's not like too much of me giving stuff away, but I've always been like, who's going to be the guy that brings the phantasm from mask of the phantasm into the, the Batman canon in a really cool way. And I'm like, maybe I could be that guy. <laughs> so that's, that's, oh, that's a little teaser of maybe something that might never, ever happen. But to get back to your question, um, you know, I, I would love just to be, um, I, I just want to, I just want to make comics is, is the answer is I, I want to be in a place where I am not, where, you know, it's never going to be easy to do a crowdfunder for sure, but I would like to be in a place where I'm not terrified of doing the next crowdfunder that it is going to, that it's not going to make it or that I'm not going to, I'm not doing enough to promote or I'm not uh, getting enough people to sign up for the email list, things like that. That's, that's my next step. That's where I'd like to be. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, um, I'm not going to quit even if this this kickstarter doesn't make it i'm not going to quit if the next one doesn't make it i'm going to keep going because this is what i i want to do and um you know as far as legacy um you know where it's not it's not about being rich and famous it's it's not about any of that stuff it is like because uh, and I did a little bit of like I did a little bit of my homework and I, I did listen uh, listen to you ask this question on your last podcast so mm -hmm. I, I have a bit of an answer prepared. I respect I mean, that <laughs> I respect a prepared answer on a, a <laughs> impulsive question <laughs> I um as far as legacy I think that uh one of the things that I have a, a lot of younger siblings and okay. I have one younger full sibling and and then um three younger half siblings and what is my legacy is that I am able to, to be an example for them to go after what they want. And, um, and that's really, really, really what I want because I, I went, even when I wrote for Molly's a screenplay and I, I sent it to my little sister who was, I think she was either applying for colleges at the time or she was, um, she was in college at the time. She, she told me that she read it and she, she told, she told me how, how proud of me that she was for finishing it and how she brags to all of her friends about how her, her big brother writes, writes scripts. And it's like, as I, I, that was such an eye opening thing for me. It's like, um, like, wow, I, I, I really, even in this little thing that I'm doing, I'm setting an example for them or, uh, I mean, and, and that's what I want to continue doing and continue pushing and continue getting to the next level. Um, you know, obviously for myself, because like I said, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. But as far as my legacy, it's like, I, I want to be a good example for them so that they know that they can also push hard and, and work hard and pursue the same, whatever their dreams are. That's an awesome answer. It's a selfless answer. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I do. I, I respect the hell out of that answer, man, because mine would be, I want to 
be the the the, the next Howard Stern of comic book talking. <laughs> like I, I mean, I'm just laying it that's out. That's also there. Like, a good like, I, 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 like that's what I, I mean. I, you, yours is so nice and modest. Like I wanna, I wanna just you know be an influence for these two people out of billions. And I'm like, that's so much more respectable than me saying I wanna be the next king of media. <laughs> Again, I, I'm not gonna turn down being the next Scott Snyder or Tom <laughs> King or um, or Jeff Lemire. I, I would, I would definitely not say no to that, but. So you, yeah. so you are working on the next Watchmen, then you are working on the next masterpiece, is what you're saying. You, you're, you're not, you're not going to go modest. You're still going to try to be the best, just for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. No, that's that's the right answer. There's only, there's really only one answer to that, and that's the right answer: to be the best for the right reasons. But there's lots of ways to get to that answer. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, man, this is uh this is awesome. So I got to ask a, a string of questions here. You know, I, I sometimes I it. do you know a rapid word fire association. Um, so sometimes I just like to throw out some questions that you know I, just, I don't know just random as hell, but still kind of pertaining to you specifically as as a uh, game. So all right, Let's um, go for it. Let's see yeah, it. man, I gotta know after reading this, what's your favorite breed of dog? Corgi. Yeah. Corgi. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, I live in a in an apartment now that doesn't allow dogs. I I, I work a lot. I go to the gym. I like when the gyms are open. I go to a lot. So I I haven't been. I have not been in a position in the last couple of years to have a dog because I'd be leaving them alone for for far too long. But it whenever I get another dog, it'll be hopefully a, a mix of corgi and something else. So because I think that they're they're friendly. They're they're smart as hell. You know, it takes a lot of work. They're very energetic. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's my favorite breed of dog. Um, I, I'm not going to say the, the name of the dog in the story cause that seems like a massive, uh, thing, a giveaway, but, um, uh, I, why, why, why wasn't she a Corgi in the, in, in uh, in, in this she is based on a dog that is a uh, corgi and Finnish Spitz mix. Um, oh, okay. So there is some so, corgi in there. Gotcha. I did see the little stubby yeah. legs, but the tail threw me off. So yeah, she's got a Finnish Spitz tail for sure. Um, okay. And uh, the the dog that the Molly is based on is a little bit smaller too. Um, so I uh, Molly in the in the book is about it, and I, I uh, Ben and I have worked a lot on this where she's about knee high on Greg. Okay. Um, so the proportions kind of work out. So she's okay. a little bit bigger than, so she is more of a Finnish Spitz um, than she is a Corgi. Gotcha. Right on. Right on. Uh, I always respect a dog lover. I got to dive into the <laughs> dog lover's head, man. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, now, cliche questions, but still I find these to be very vital. Um, when talking with a comic book creator, I got to know, man, who's your favorite superhero? Batman. The... You said that. So, but I yeah. have to ask it again. <laughs> um, so I, I was uh, thinking about the other day. Um, you know, I was thinking about how the, uh, of all the things that I've done with with Kickstarter, you know, and all the things that I've learned. the the real The real thing that I've learned is um, is that I can't do it alone. Um, and that reminded me a lot of Grant Morrison's run on Batman, and it kind of reminded me. Um, of, of the things that I love about Batman. And, and, and that was something that came up in the, in the Batman, the end of the Batman RIP story or the resurrection of Batman, whatever that was called. It's like the first fundamental truth of Batman is that, you know, his first act as Batman was to call for help. Like when the, when the bat came through the window of Wayne Manor and he had the first idea and, uh, and he said, yes, father, I shall become a bat. His first act was to call Alfred for help. Um, and the first fundamental truth of Batman is 
I, I always had help. I was never alone. And that was something that, you know, I, I was just thinking about the other day and, and, um, and it's one of those things where it's like, there's little things like that in a lot of different Batman comics, whether it's Morrison or Snyder or, um, you know, all the things that, that Tom King is doing right now, like that, that really do solidify like why he is my favorite, my, my favorite character. That's awesome. Well, so, okay, so I'm glad you got to bring this up. I'm going to kind of sidebar for a second because this is always an interesting opinion I like to take or uh, get off of people that have read Tom King's run of Batman. And, you know, some people say, well, I'll fuck Batman now after reading it. And some people <laughs> say this is the, the deepest Batman I've ever read. I mean, where do you fall on that spectrum after? I mean, uh, not talking about James Tinney and the Force run uh, yeah. uh, after that, just talking about the 75 that... That King did. I mean, uh, this is a very different take on Batman. No one can deny that. Uh, yeah, something you're 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 cool with. I mean, it didn't make you drop Batman. No, I mean, I think that that Batman is um, is a very versatile character. Um, in my opinion, he can be a lot of things. He can be uh, he can be Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. He can be um, you know Adam West. Uh, you know, running around doing the Bat Two C, and and um, he's an adaptable character. As far as I just. I just personally love Tom King's style, um, his, the way that he writes dialogue, the way that he separates out panels. Um, I love this, the way this that, short dialogue, man. I do. Yeah. As somebody that has a lot of shit to read, I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, uh, what does Batman have to say, really, besides, hmm? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with that. That makes sense to me. So, yeah. uh, no, I dig it. I mean, I love his style. The, the story is sometimes overly convoluted, which I, I really felt about Scott Snyder, even though I loved Scott Snyder's run. Um, See, I, I'm, I'm with you there, but I, I, after I set back and analyzed it after reading 75 issues, I re realized this is a 75-issue complete story. Yes. From beginning to end, every single issue ties into the from the first issue to the last. It all comes together. And this was supposed to be 100. So yeah. we know yeah, I mean, we we got another 12 issue bat in the cat that's supposed to continue on. Regardless of how you feel about it, there's very few people that can write a well, I mean, 75 a 3000 page story. Yeah. Uh, that that's uh, in comics. That's fucking yeah. hard, man. Uh, so I, I respect that? the shit out of it. I agree, but have you seen that thing that he put up on Twitter? It was probably like two years ago, where it's like, like the caption was like, "Writing comics is hard," and then it was uh, a little uh, crop out of a script that I might have been facetious, <laughs> I, but it was I like, "I know exactly what like, you're talking about." Yeah, Batman <laughs> fights ninjas. <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, like panel one fights ninjas, but panel two more ninjas. No dialogue. No dialogue. I was like. I, I want that job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but. he took shortcuts to get to that 75. We're not doubting that, but it still made sense. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, no, but. I'm I'm one of the people that, you know, towards the end, I was, I don't know, but at the same time, when it all came together, I was perfectly fine with it, and Tinian picked it up right where I want it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a Batman fucking fanatic, dude, I am. I respect yeah. this shit. I mean, if you're not, re if you like comics and you're not reading Batman, I'm just, I, I always question why uh, <laughs> why this is the leader of our uh of our comic book group uh is a big batman hater and the last book that we read was um i still don't know how to pronounce his name steven Spelljik's um harleen um oh yeah that's yeah. gnarly stuff my girlfriend just read it and she's like this is fucking great is there any more I'm like no nah, <laughs> this is it this is it yeah. just these three i think he's doing a 
I think he's doing a um, a Poison Ivy one though, which I'm actually like really interested in because I think that like of what was happening in Harleen, I, I was most intrigued by the Poison Ivy stuff. And I was like, let's see, let's see like this guy take on the the Harley Poison Ivy story and like what let's see what he does with that that would be cool oh pamela isley is my favorite female in all the comics man like bring that the fuck on same yeah. artist and everything please make that happen that was i was ooh. just reminded of um some there's some list about like batman's villains greatest stories or whatever but like the story um of of poison ivy after the no man's land where she was holed up in robinson park in the middle of gotham with all these orphans that had been um displaced by the by the cataclysm and by the and by the um by the no man's land situation like and that was such a good run like that was her seminal run i, I wish i could remember who wrote it and like what the what the numbers were but yeah like she's such a great villain um and great character when when done really well when mm -hmm. put in the right hands well uh well that's actually segues me into my uh the next part of that question is what villain are you most attracted to in all of comics i hate to say favorite villain i, I always have to say this because some people say well you shouldn't fucking celebrate villains but no it's not your favorite villain the villain you're most attracted to man that's a good question um my knee-jerk reaction is talia al ghul see I, um, I i like the first answer off the top of the head man <laughs> I, I think that um I think that Morrison's Morrison's run on Batman, where it was like um, an, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object in the the relationship between Talia and Batman of why won't you join me? Why won't you join me? And that being an impossible impasse. And then add on to that the fact that their less than 10-year-old or 10-year-old son is stuck in the middle of it. Like, and he's saying in that, that beautiful heartbreaking panel of Batman and son, it's like, why can't we all just be together? Mm -hmm. And it's like, and that really, you know, em embedded her in my mind as, as probably my favorite Batman villain in the, in the, um, in the Batman mythos. I'm sure that like, I'm sure I'm going to get off of this pod podcast and like, think of like 10 more. I'm like, Oh, why didn't I say that? Like, <laughs> but, but as far as like that, run, the, the Morrison run on Batman and that, that relationship being, um, you know, like I said, everything about that, that's, that's what I really love. That's awesome, man. Uh, next question. Um, what was the last comic single issue you put down? What was the last comic you read? Oh man. Uh, I know you said it's been a while since you've had the chance to read anything and I understand that you're a yeah. creator, you're campaigning right now. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was Harleen. Um, like I said, we did that for our, for our comic book club. And there are things that I really liked about it. Um, I really liked Batman's characterization in it. Um, there were things that I, I was not crazy about, but, but overall I, um, I, I definitely enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed that. It wasn't just, it was a very thoughtful take on the character. It wasn't just like, Oh, sexy Joker! I'm gonna turn to a life of crime. See, that's what I <laughs> thought I was getting into. I yeah, mean, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I put the I pre-ordered the first one, but not the second two. But then I read <laughs> the first one and said, okay, no, I'm gonna pre-order the second two because this is not what I thought it was at all. It was dense. Like I like I like when a book takes me 45 minutes to read because I want to really soak it all in. Yeah, and that's that's what Harleen is, man. I mean, it's 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 dense. It's fun, um, and it's a, it's an interesting take. I'm loving. I don't think I've picked up a black label book yet that I've just hated. I've, there's uh, the last night on Earth I was confused by, 
But other than that, everything else that I picked up and read, I'm just, I think Black Label is just the best fucking thing DC's doing right now, man. I'm a yeah, that's fan. that's one of the ones that's definitely next on my list is is Last Night on Earth. I've been I've been waiting to read that for a little bit, but it's I'm, it's I'd... wacky. I mean, it's 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 just confusing to me as all, and that's only because it's supposed to be. And right. Yeah. My 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 pea brain can't handle when I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> um. Well, man, this is uh this is awesome. I I have to I have to ask you. You've mentioned this a couple times now. Um, yeah, I know I was super intrigued with the thought of your podcast. You're a podcaster yourself. Um, this is why you've been so great at this. <laughs> this is I try. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Um, so uh, tell us all about your podcast. My podcast is uh, called Another Lousy Millennium. It is a Futurama fan podcast where my brother and I summarize, analyze, and discuss every episode of Futurama um, episode by episode. And we've been doing it for about almost three years now and um we are um well into the we are actually in the home stretch we are in the in what we call the post cancellation seasons um we uh just did what what episode did we just do um oh it's uh now it's gonna bother me but uh but i think it was it it was uh, a farewell to arms um, so we're, we're in the home stretch. We're, um, we're in the later seasons, but it's been, uh, a really incredible journey. Um, he is a, he's a computer engineer, my brother. So he is a very well versed in, in the science aspect of the science mm. fiction and, and me coming in as a writer. I've definitely, um, taken this as an opportunity to, to, uh, learn about story structure and, uh, and character arcs and, and all those things that make a narrative, especially in a, in a sitcom format. And um, and really discuss them, analyze them, what makes it great, um, where it could be stronger, and and you know this is an exercise that I've started to do um, in the later parts of of the series where it's not just about me coming on and criticizing and saying like, well, I don't like this, well, I don't like this. It's like me coming on and saying like, you know, if if uh, we have a we have a running joke on the podcast, which is uh, we preface statements by saying the purpose of this podcast is not to rewrite Futurama. But and then <laughs> I, I proceed to to talk about where I would I would change things, where I would make improvements, or where I would um, where I feel like personally um, I I was expecting the story to go. Um, See, that's what I want out of a critical podcast. It's not someone that's just using their voice to shit on everything because that's not helping anybody. That's yeah. that's that's just taking money out of a creator's pocket you're just trying to influence people not to support that art because you don't but to come on and say i don't necessarily agree with this but i still respect what they did but i would do this that's that creates a, a form of uh i mean an interesting conversation for one yeah because everybody loves to have another take on things that's that's amazing as long yeah. as you're not saying this was absolute fucking dog shit don't don't watch it and i think that's ridiculous as somebody that is willing to take the time so much that let, to have them affect their life that they're talking about it and making sure other people <laughs> know about it. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, I just find that, that type of uh, format silly. So it's, it's nice to know that when I jump on this, uh, on your show, it's, that's, that's what I'm going to get at it. Cause I'm so tired of tuning into podcasts and it's just people saying, don't do this. Cause I didn't fucking like it. And it's flaming dog 
shit garbage or whatever the fucking cliches the trolls use. Yeah, That's and just, I mean, yeah. like, we, we definitely try to do two things. One, we, we definitely try to try to talk up the things that we do like about an episode. Like, we're constantly pointing out about how much we love uh, a piece of music uh, or a piece of animation, whether it's 3D or 2D, and, like, uh, the colors and character changes. And we do a lot of, like, um, we, we do a lot of lists and we do a lot of rankings. So we're like, um, uh, what is your, what is the, what is your favorite character change as far as costume that you've seen? Or like, what is your favorite time that Bender has turned from a robot into something else, whether it's, uh, you know, a wooden robot or, um, or a ghost or, or things like that, mm-hmm. like talking about that kind of animation changes. And, and, and you're exactly right where I don't want to be the type of podcast or the type of, uh, that, that just comes on and says, well, this is bad and then just move on like yeah. it's it's like first of all that is very it's so subjective yeah. and and um like if i'm gonna say that something is bad i need to say that a in my opinion this is not bad this did not this is not something that spoke to me um you know it's it's gonna be you get 100 people in a room you're gonna have 100 different opinions and so this is just my opinion um and and to say like, and here's why, because I feel like uh, this part could have been um, could have been more set up in the beginning, or this part could have uh, had more of an emotional impact, or if this was this relationship had worked this way, and it's like, and and really trying to to flex my muscles as far as being a writer and and thinking about story and and applying it to to what goes on in, in those in those stories, and and at the same time everything we say about Futurama in, in the podcast absolutely comes from a place of love where we love the the show so much. We love the characters so much. I mean, there's an episode where Fry talks about how um, the, the Star Trek characters, the Star Trek show was so impactful for him because he felt like um, when he was growing up and when he was watching that, it, like the Star Trek characters were, were his friends, even when he didn't feel like he had friends in real life. And that's the, a very similar relationship that I have to, to Futurama and also to the Simpsons, but I don't do a Simpsons podcast, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, right. Well, I mean, uh, the four finger discount juggernaut is out there and I, I'm, I'm, we're definitely not overtaking them. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> well, maybe. uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, everything we say on that Futurama podcast comes from a place of love um, because, and, um, and talking about how we, um, we just, we, we, we just love the show. I mean, you know, end of statement. <laughs> I, I could tell just by the way you talk about it, that you're, you're, you're not someone that's just saying, well, this show went on for too long and fuck this show. I just so happen to have watched every single thing about it. And yeah, uh, yeah, no, it sounds like you do love it. And as somebody that is a massive Futurama fan myself, I I can't wait to get your take on it, man. Especially actually having to sit down and have a personal conversation with you before doing so. I'm I think it's gonna make it that much more 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 fun for me and any listener at this point that gets into it for the first time. So I'm 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 glad I saved that for last. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm uh this is this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I gotta ask Same now. Here. I mean. Uh, what can we expect from Gabe, Gabe Chang 2020, man? I know that uh, there's a lot of speed bumps happening this year, but um, uh, we, we got a we got a Kickstarter going on, and I'm gonna have links to that for sure. Um, anything else in the pipeline that you want to talk about? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the main thing is the Kickstarter, cool. and uh, and that's the the next the next uh, rock to push up the hill, you know. And um, but like I said, I'm incredibly proud of the work that we're that we're putting out, and and it is as difficult it is as it is, it is it is um, it is worth it. Um, yeah, I know that Kickstarters really dictate people's moods for 30 days. <laughs> um, I'm, it seems as if I've caught you on a good day. <laughs> you, you seem to be a very pleasant creator right now, so it seems like things are good. I can't wait to look for myself. I just don't want to click off the screen here and do something and lose a fucking connection or something stupid like that. But yeah, please no believe that you're going to see a, a, a bit of a spike after I get on here and I'm going to be putting this on blast man uh, all my twitter accounts my facebook accounts are gonna know all about this so uh thanks man um, i appreciate it uh, well it's 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 well deserved I, I respect a creator that's not rolling over in these times uh and the, the kickstarter is going on until the 22nd of may is that correct correct cool right on man well gabe chang this is this has been incredible i uh I, I can't wait to, to get updated once the fourth issue's out and this is all said and done. I know we're still on issue three now, but I've got that kind of confidence. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see what the future for Gabe Chang looks like, man. I, I thank you for carving out the time to come on this show, and uh, yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I, I'm glad that we could make this work, and, and I really appreciate um you know, you, uh, having me on and, and talking comics and, and, uh, always happy to do that. But I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the support that you're giving to the Kickstarter. It's, it's really means a lot for sure. And, uh, you know, you ever want to just vent about comics? I have the comic book therapy segment of the show too, man. You're welcome to come on. We'll, we'll talk fucking whatever you want. I probably when I have more it. time to read. I will definitely take you up on that. <laughs> right on Gabe. You stay safe out there, brother. And, uh, cheers to you, man. Cheers. Thank you. All right, everybody. Gabe Chang. How about that, man? Uh, I urge you to check out his Another Lousy Millennium podcast. I know I'm. this is just going to be an instant binge for me. Can't wait to check it out. And uh, yeah, as uh, you know, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to put up all of his social media and where to find him and all that good stuff in the show notes for sure. Get on this Kickstarter, man. It's a very, very reasonably fundable Kickstarter for sure. So let's, let's make for Molly continue to be a thing as well as it should be. So uh, yeah, follow Gabe Chang. Follow him, follow his career, follow his future. This guy is going to be the shit. He's on his way, man. He's on his way. I like a creator that just... Uh, you know, so a creator doesn't necessarily have to create something brilliant for me to be drawn to them. And I'm not saying that For Molly isn't brilliant. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying I'm drawn to this guy's work ethic. I'm drawn to the the way he presents himself. I'm drawn to his motivation. I'm drawn to his energy. Uh, there, there's just so much about this guy that seems so fucking promising to me. And I can't wait to read For Molly all in completion once all four issues are out. Um, yeah, yeah, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. So, as always, I have to remind you to support this podcast. Do so by becoming a true member of the Slurred Army. Do so by jumping on Patreon, man. Patreon.com slash cheers to comics. And for as little as a buck, a single dollar, 
You're going to get access to exclusive access, mind you, to uh, episodes before they're released. You're going to get them ad-free. And, uh, yeah, uh, eventually, I know I keep saying this, but, you know, busy times right now. Uh, eventually, I'm going to get up the the lost episodes, the, those very first episodes that just uh, disappeared. Hey, remember when I had a co-host? You might not. You might, you might not have been listening to this podcast uh, until you know after the for before the first three or four months. Um, <laughs> you want to hear how shitty this show used to be? Not that the co-host made it shitty, but goddamn, uh, I didn't even know what a fucking podcast was two months before my first time recording one. So just imagine how terrible that is. Well, eventually you're gonna get access to that. And only as a patron. So patreon.com slash cheers to comics. Also leave reviews. Five star reviews are the only kind I accept. Uh, I gather them here, them there, them there reviews and rate it on this here podcast uh, eventually at points. Just when I'm feeling like it. When I have the page up, I guess. I don't use Apple devices. So it's uh, very rare that I have those uh, reviews handy. But I do go through and read them. (laughs) Just never before I'm going to record a podcast. Uh, so eventually I'll get that timing right. I did it that one time, maybe even twice. <laughs> but the chan- the thing is, is if you leave a five-star review, it helps this podcast more than you could ever know. You would never know unless you're a podcaster yourself how, much, how valuable your five-star ratings are. Uh, invaluable. I don't know. Incredibly valuable. It's like gold. It's like gold to podcasters or five-star reviews, man. It's currency, baby. That's how we get big. That's how we make it. That's how we make real money. Five-star reviews. That's just all there is to it. Without five-star reviews, how the fuck is this podcast going to grow? It's up to you, the listener. And according to my numbers, I have way more listeners than I do reviews. So, uh, room for growth in the review department. Guilt tripping you, y'all. So, (laughs) this has been a fun podcast. I've loved the interview with Gabe Chang. I hope that you did. And, uh, yeah, check out another lousy millennium podcast and uh for molly you slurds in all seriousness please stay safe wash your hands read responsibly cheers fuckers Hi, you're listening to Cheers to Comics Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Monty Michael Moore, and this is the Cheers to Comics Podcast with Brian Wayne. What's up, nerds? This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds Podcast. I would like to invite you to check out our podcast. We have two shows every week, and both of our shows are about everything that is pop culture and nerdum. That's right. We talk about movies. We talk about comics. We talk about video games. We talk about role-playing games. We talk about Dungeons and & Dragons, and so much more. You can find us anywhere you get podcasts just by searching Three Fat Nerds. Also, while you're at it, Go ahead and like our page on Facebook, 3 Fat Nerds Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at 3 Fat Nerds Pod. And of course, you can check out our website, 8122productions.com. Most importantly, I hope you enjoy the show. With that being said, there's only one thing left to say. That's later, nerds. <laughs>